Hey, what is up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by the incredible sponsors of the program, ChemicalFreeBody.com. If health and wellness is a priority for you, then check out the incredible products over at ChemicalFreeBody. Plant-based nutritional supplements from Super Greens, my favorite, with all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, and micronutrients in just one single scoop. Toss it in your glass of water, your shake, your smoothie, however you want to do it. They also have other incredible products, gut detoxers, anti-inflammatories, immune boosters, and so much more. ChemicalFreeBody.com and check out that promo code, it's me, all one word, it's me for discounts at your checkout. And look, we have so many different insurance policies in our life. And if the last couple years has taught you anything, it taught me that storable food needs to be on that list. Prepare with itsme.com, the incredible products over at My Patriot Supply. They have four-week supply of food, three-month supply, all products with up to a 25-year shelf life. Have the peace of mind, ladies and gentlemen, of having storable food and have that supply on deck. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And uh, if you have, you know, shaving needs like nice chrome domes like me, SkullShaver.com is a whole new concept in face and head shaving. The products offered over there include men's head shavers, face shavers, hair clippers, and trimmers. And ladies, we haven't forgot about you with the butterfly kiss. And we also have a large selection of accessories to make your life that much more simple. All of the shavers come with uh, removable, washable blades made of premium Japanese stainless steel to ensure flawless results. It just makes it so much easier. You can get your shaving done anytime, anywhere, in or out of the shower. It gets no better. Skullshaver.com, front slash discount, front slash it's me. All of the links to these incredible products will be in the description of this episode. So without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of It's Me Speaking to You. I am, as always, your ever-faithful host, Mr. Jeffrey Wilson, coming to you live and direct from the gateway to the west, St. Louis, Missouri. And folks, I have a surprise guest for you. It's even a surprise guest for me. I called him up to try to maybe set something up, and he said, let's do it now. And I like that. I like that. No better time than the present. And all I got to say is, ho! And that should tell you one indication right there of who we have on the show. I'm such a fan of this gentleman. I'm a huge fan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. Mr. Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. What's up, buddy? Well, thank you, brother. That was a pretty good hole. And I got to give one myself to get going. Ho! Yeah, wakes me up in the morning, you know, gets me ready to go. Gets that blood pumping, gets that blood pumping. Man, I thank you so much for taking the time, honestly. Um, I spoke with a mutual friend a couple days ago about getting you on. He said to give you a call, so I did that. And, man, you were like, hey, let's let's rock and roll right now. And I wasn't quite prepared yeah. for it, but, I'm, you know, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, way, to, way to adapt, brother. That's a lot Absolutely. big part of wrestling, you know, on the fly. And, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here taking care. I just got done uh, doing another interview, so it uh, works out Man, great. We're going we're gonna to call it in the ring, as they say. We're going to call it in the ring. <laughs> Brother, you know the yeah, yeah, buddy. So if you don't mind, man, I obviously don't want to keep you too incredibly long, and I know I don't want you to have to repeat things you've said hundreds of times, but inform my audience. Obviously, we all know who you are, but how did you get your start into this business we know as professional wrestling? Well, you know, it's different than a lot of guys because I wasn't a big wrestling fan going uh, growing up. My whole uh, goal was to become a pro football player, and I'm originally from upstate New York, and I had a pretty good high school career where – Actually, my shot put record still stands today. Check you out. I put a bunch of wimps up there. <laughs> but, and, of course, I, I won the, uh, the state wrestling championship my senior year. 
but football was my main sport. So uh, I was lucky enough to be highly recruited, but I played my college ball for Southern Methodist University yes, down in Dallas, Texas, right? yeah. the Mustangs. And on a freak uh, accident, I met Fritz von Erich, and he, he opened up the door to wrestling for me. Oh, wow. So was that your first territory down there in the world class? Yeah, I, I broke in. Yeah, uh, I, I came down. Gary Hart gave me my first pair of trunks in uh, 1979. I still have the program where oh, Lou wow. Cummer Duggan makes his debut. What was the name? And, uh, uh, well, I was uh, Big Jim Duggan. Okay. Pretty catchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely appropriate. Definitely appropriate. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, Gino Hernandez kind of took me under my, his wing and uh, showed me a lot. I left there, and I was up uh, visiting my dad up in Glens Falls, New York, and he knew Arnie Skoll, and he's like, well, hey, my kid wrestles. And Arnie's like, well, bring him down to the Glens Falls Civic Center. So I went down there. I wrestled a guy named Moose Murawski, and, uh, you know, I was a relatively big kid in uh, that time of uh, in the 80s, you know, late 70s, early 80s. So they made the TV, and I worked with uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Angelo Mosca, Ken Patera, it's big Jim Duggan, yeah. Throwing out them names there, folks. Throwing out some some serious names oh, there. Oh yeah. Well, and then that's what they call me in. You know, I I was Big Jim. I had the uh, you know, short hair, clean shaven. I wore a long gold bathrobe to the ring. You know, I knew very <laughs> very little about wrestling, and uh, so they uh, Vince McMahon Senior and Arnie uh, Scully called me in the office, and they're like, "Kid, you might have a future." But come up with something better than Big Jim and get rid of that gold bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Big Jim stuck. Well, you actually switched to Hacksaw, but yeah. Well, no, no, actually, they, so they said, we're going to send you to, out to learn the business. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm thinking, well, where the hell are you going to send me? You know, and they're like, well, we're going to send you to Hawaii. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding. They sent me out to Hawaii where I worked for Peter Maivia. And, uh, that's uh, the, the Rock's uh, granddad. I worked with uh, Rock's granddad and, and his dad. Never had an opportunity to work with the Rock. But anyway, out there, I was the convict. I wore a mask with C's on it. You know, well, I, I put C's on it for the convict, you know, which I thought was pretty clever. And the fans were like, why'd you, why'd you put those ears on your mask? <laughs> I said, they're not ears. They're C's for the convict. <laughs> so, so that didn't work, and I came back to the WWWF. Uh, and I went back to Big Jim Duggan. So what year, was this, what year would this have been? So it was probably like 81, 82. Okay. So there's still WWF yeah, went... at the time. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the, the three Ws there. Before Vince took over, Vince was still the ring announcer, or, uh, uh, TV announcer. Yeah. Him and Jesse. And uh, I went to Georgia, Georgia Championship Wrestling with uh, Gordon Soley. And oh, yeah. uh, was down there. That one of my best friends in my life, uh, Terry Gordy, the fabulous Freebird. God bless him. God bless him. Uh, yeah, and had a, a run down there as Big Jim Duggan with, with like Charlie Cook. I worked with DiBiase, him and Te uh, Tommy Rich. I worked with Ted for the first time. He always tells the story how uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was extremely stiff. And of course, Ted cleaned it up a lot from the original, but he cussed me out pretty good in the right. ring. And then I went from there actually to Pensacola, where I was working for the Fullers. Mm. And I went as Wild Man Duggan. I grew my fur, I, I grew my beard real uh, heavy, and I wore fur with chains on it. And that uh, really didn't work. But I got my break. I went to San Antonio with uh, Joe Blanchard's territory, 
worked with Bruiser Brody and the, uh, the Hacksaw character came around. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was going to say, the, the image you described there with the leather and the fur with the big beard, that kind of sounds a little, a little Brody-esque a bit. So, yeah, you guys actually did have some matches then. Yeah, uh, Brody was a big influence on my career. Actually, he's the, he's the guy that kind of talked me into the two by four. You know, I was. Oh, I, really? But I was having a good little run in, in, uh, with the Fullers down there. I was living on Panama City Beach. I had a hot little stripper for a girlfriend, you know, or living with uh, Luke the Bushwhacker and Joe LaDuke. Uh, I was having a good time. And. Uh, 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 Buck Robley called me and says, hey, we need somebody in San Antonio to work with Brody. And I'm like, well, things are going awful good here, Buck. <laughs> so the next day, Brody called me and said, hey, get your ass out of here. Learn how to wrestle. <laughs> oh, yeah, anyway, Brody's yeah. a decent, I mean, I don't know about you how established you were, but I guess working with Brody, I would think, would it be a decent payday? Oh, no, it was a, uh, yeah, my, yeah, of course. Uh, it was that, 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 The first show was at the Sam Houston Coliseum with Paul Bosch, you know, I came in uh, as a main event to work with Brody. You know, I still was, though I'd been around a little bit, I was relatively green to say the least. And Paul Bosch gave me my envelope and I went into the bathroom and I opened it with a thousand dollars. I'm like, wow, talk about setting the hook. I went and got my U-Haul and moved from Pensacola to uh, San Antonio. Didn't need much more convincing after that. Well, back then, you know, it was a liberating time. You know, you throw everything you own in a suitcase, throw it in your car, and say, see you later. Right, right. No uh, responsibilities, you know. It was yeah, a, a fun time yeah. in the business. Rejoice, oh, men in thy youth. So that's interesting. You brought up something with Vince or whoever had said, you know, taking you to Hawaii, sending you on the road. It's so different now. Um, obviously, you know, what are your opinions on, obviously, the – a, the product today, and obviously it's so different, and the removal, if you will, of that territory system, which was, you know, obviously so huge back in the day, but also so huge as it related to kids coming up learning. They actually had somewhere to go. If you didn't like Georgia, you could go to Vern, you could go to the Fullers, or you could go to Texas. I mean, now it's obviously so different, and there is no on-the-road learning, if you will. Tell me a little bit about how the removal of that has changed the business today and the product today. Of course, you know, with the performance center, you got everybody down in Orlando learning from the same guys, learning the same technique, you know, learning how to say how to work the same way. Right. Like you said, with the territory system, guys would rotate around the territories. You'd learn to work different ways. Uh, and, of course, that was better for the talent because not only would you learn your ring work, but guys like Bill Watts, if you didn't do your interview right, you would do another interview, and you learned your mic skills. Right. And, uh you wouldn't do one generic interview. You'd do one for Shreveport, one for Monroe, one for Baton Rouge. You would do one for every in individual city. Wow. And, uh, so you'd learn not only your ring work, but your uh, your mic skills. And, of course, mm -hmm. that would have happen in every territory. And, of course, guys miss that. That's something they miss. But the, as everything, the business has evolved. Mm -hmm. It went from a, an arena business that focused their, their main business around the arena shows to a television business, and they do most of their business by the television. So it, the business has changed, and I know a lot of people are critical of today's product, but I'm like, well, there'll be 100,000 people at WrestleMania. Somebody yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely working. Well, I mean, obviously, the whole, it's such a different generation now. Like, the, well, I mean, like I said, I'm 42, so I mean, the, the wrestling I grew up watching, there's almost, like, no semblance of it anymore, so these new generations really have no, I mean, I guess through the, through the network, they have some understanding in YouTube, but... 
you know, it's really pretty much the kids who watch it now. They're they grew up on WWE. Yeah, I, there's a whole reassurance of the, you know, with the network that opened up the, the the golden age. You know, my generation, the guys that I'm just lucky enough to be part of: yeah. Hogan, Macho, Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake, yes. Coco Beware. Just that was the. It was like Hollywood with Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. It was just kind of the golden age of professional yeah. wrestling. And thank goodness folks uh, still remember it. Yeah, they thank do, goodness man. for YouTube and for, for like the, the, the network. Because, man, it's just like, like I said, I don't really knock the product too much, the stuff now. I mean, I go see it because it's entertaining. And my daughter, she's young and she loves it. But this is just especially even going back and remembering those storylines. Like you and DiBiase and the, I think it was the Cadillac or something like that. Where, I mean, it was just, there's just. So oh, yeah, I mean, just yeah. One of uh, the storyline, of course, you know. Now you got Hollywood writers writing the storylines exactly. and writing the verbiage for your interview. I mean, how can you know? How, uh, last time I did a WWE show, I went in. This young guy comes up and goes, "Mr. Duggan, here's your verbiage for your interview." I said, "How some punk kid gonna tell hacksaw Jim Duggan how to cut his interview?" And they're like, "Well, this is what we want you to say." And I'm like, "Well, send me my check." You know? Yeah. Was it, but I, mean, I have a whole new respect for those guys at the liver lines. That natural, I mean, that's a, yeah. a, a very whole different set of skills that I think yeah. a lot of guys in the WWF days don't didn't have. Well, yeah, I mean, and you guys, you know, it was off the off the dome. You guys were, you know, were that was part of, like you said, what you guys had learned in those territory in those territories is learning your mic skills. So you didn't need anybody. And quite frankly, you guys, I mean, like I said, a lot of people are going to go to WrestleMania. It still works, but you guys basically talked people into arenas, you know, night after night after night with those awesome promos. I mean, that was a, such a huge component of, I think, like you said, the golden age was, man, a lot of you guys' mic skills. Yeah, it's a, you know, and that's what I tell folks, you know, about pro wrestling. You know, people are like, oh, you guys are all good friends, aren't you? I said, yeah, we all compete for the same money. We're real good, good friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I see a lot of young guys that do a lot of comic cons, a lot of different types of conventions. I, of course, I do my show, and I have these young guys go up and say, "Actually, you know, I want to be a WWE wrestler." I said, "Well, that's great, because chase your dreams. Because who would have ever thought Daniel Bryan would become a huge yeah, star? Exactly. You know, there's yeah. a guy that had the heart, the desire, the work ethic. He made himself a star. So yeah, yeah. chase your dreams." But remember, there's 1,500 NFL football players playing this year. Right. There's 1,000 NBA basketball players. There's maybe, what, 120 guys on the WWE roster? Yeah. I mean, you got a better chance of playing the NBA than you do make it in the WWE. Yeah. But it's not just kids from this country. you got guys coming from Australia, everywhere. Japan, Europe, everywhere. You notice, too, the careers. I mean, you don't see. I mean, I, you've been wrestling forever. Rick, I mean, obviously, you guys are pretty much retired from acting. Not at all, sir. I'm just saying you guys had a very long career. You guys had very lengthy careers, even yeah. with, you know, the road schedule and you guys still took the bumps and everything. But today's wrestler, it seems like I don't know if it's because of the nature of the business and they're concentrating on high spots more so than like the psychology of it. The careers just aren't quite as long. Why do you think that is? Well, there's a high injury injury problem nowadays. Because the kids are pushing the envelope every night, every show, man, those guys are doing these high-risk maneuvers that are, you know, you mess up or somebody else messes up, people are going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, guys did that before, you know, Macho and a lot of guys, uh, Snuka and, mm -hmm. and people like that would do, do the high-flying stuff. They they picked their show. You know, they wouldn't be doing it uh, 
in uh, Scranton, but they do it at the Garden, you know. Right, right. But these guys nowadays are doing it every night. And so, yeah, injuries are, are a problem. Plus, also, like it, like in other professional sports, the money's much better, so you probably don't have to work as long as we did in the day. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I find it interesting to compare the two because it's just, I don't know, still a great business, but obviously, you know, like you said, it's evolved, and it's it's quite vastly different now. Um, if you don't mind, and it's kind of a sensitive subject or a touchy subject, and you don't have to speak on it if you don't want to, I saw the Chic documentary not too long ago, and I remember as a kid reading in the newspaper in the newspaper the incident when you and she kind of had a mishap on the road. Um, I forget where it was at, somewhere maybe northeast, I forget. If you don't mind, how did that come about? I think it was like somebody missed a ride or, you know, you guys kind of had yeah, but yeah. You, you, it was kind of a no-no because you guys were in an angle at the time. Tell me about how that whole thing went down. Right, yeah, I was I was right after WrestleMania three. You know, of course, it's, it's the most popular arrest in wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Benoit butchers his family. People talk about Doug and Sheik, but <laughs> anyway, uh, the, I saw Sheik at the Newark airport, and uh, he didn't have a ride, and so I gave the guy a ride. And uh, with the worst thing about it, people think we're close. I was, we're, we weren't close, but I did give the guy a ride. And right. uh, he said, uh, maybe we get some St. Pauli girl beer. And I've never, ever drink another St. Pauli girl beer. I'll tell you that. Brother. But <laughs> anyway, he stopped and got some St. Pauli girl beer. And I had a little weed ski in my pocket. Oh. Well, actually, I had it under, under the seat. And anyway, so we were drinking the beer on the, uh, I think it was Garden State Parkway. And I lived in, was living in Louisiana as drive through daiquiri huts, you know. And so I just thought nothing of it. The trooper pulled me over and says, you're drinking and driving. I said, well, I'm not drunk. I said, I'm just sipping on a beer. He said, that's illegal in New Jersey. I'm just sipping so, on a beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was, this was in the 80s, brother. Right, I yeah, mean, exactly. So, exactly. Like I said, they have drive through daiquiri huts down in Louisiana. Like a, a no big deal, and uh, so boom, he says, "I smell marijuana." You know, I, you know, again, it's in the eighties on my Louisiana. I said, "Yes, sir, I've got a small amount of marijuana under my seat." He's like, "You're under arrest." Oh. <laughs> I'm Did like, they know who you were at that point yet? Did they know who you uh, were? Yeah, I think that pretty well. The, the one trooper right off the bat. Oh, okay, and of course, uh, boom, they, they, you know, they call the big backup and everything. So they, they pulled the sheet out of the car, and they searched the sheet and. Long story short, the sheik had three grams of cocaine in different containers. You know, I had less than a half ounce of marijuana under the car. So I got a ticket for drinking while driving and a, a uh, summons for misdemeanor marijuana. A sheik had a felony cocaine arrest. But, of course, the New York Daily News, the, it wasn't the front page, but it was the back page. It had yeah. a big picture of me and a big picture of the sheik. The headlines were, Boozing bozos. Oh, no. You know, they, they had marijuana, beer, cocaine down the parkway. I mean, oh, it was brutal. That was, you know, long before uh, the Internet. Yo, you Imagine, but, uh, geez, that would have been. I mean, obviously, it was still bad then. Um, I mean, just hearing, uh, like, Sheik's version of it or whatever, but just if you can, like, 1 to 10, I don't even think it's, it's, it's probably past 10. How pissed was Vince at you guys? Oh, yeah, it was extreme, obviously. I mean, my call was to my dad, God bless him, who was my best man in my wedding and uh, my best friend. He was still chief of police in Lens Falls, New York, so I oh, called wow. him. and Yeah, you know, he got ambushed by the cameras, too, you know, because I didn't think, nobody, you know, I was naive. I'm like, I don't think nobody will know. <laughs> 
I think I remember him saying that in the video. Like, you guys like, wait, maybe maybe nothing will happen. Maybe no one will find out. Nobody saw us. What the hell? But, uh, of course, my dad was like, uh, did you get arrested for cocaine? I said, no, sir. And I got arrested for pot. He chewed my ass a little bit. But uh, then my whole family really rallied behind me. Because I I tell you, it was actually from the penthouse to the shithouse. And one huge mistake. hamstring my career to a point where you know i, I never got the, the heavy duty push after that you know, yeah it was world champion never was tag team champion never was intercontinental champion yeah i was, was actually very a... very lucky to survive the whole ordeal professionally yeah. for sure i mean like you said it definitely was a fork in the road and it seemed just watching your career like you know especially coming on i mean you were just you were still hot but you were really hot with that with the uh after after WrestleMania three and just that whole match, so it's like yeah, it was interesting to see, and it was I really felt bad for you guys, quite frankly, because you guys are professional wrestlers, and you know it it, it did change the course of your careers really significantly, and I I just, yeah, we're you know, all over twenty one, and we had nobody to blame but ourselves, yeah, and it was no, a, a bad mistake. And, but you it's, know, really it's not the worst thing tale. that's ever happened to me, actually. So you know, I got to keep everything in perspective. No, absolutely. So. But it is a good, I think, cautionary tale with with kids. You know, like one one mistake can really change the course of things. I mean, it's uh it's definitely uh really did, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. Professionally, like I said, I I don't think I've ever really recovered. They always kept me strong, but never got the big rocket. Right, right. Well, like I said, we all love you, brother, and you know, we all, you know, you're definitely a legend. Oh, it's so, been a know. good career for me. That's actually yeah. a good segue, brother. Thanks very much. Into yeah. uh, actually the Hacksaw uh, Jim Duggan show, which you can see at hacksawshow.com for information. Hacksaw's and my book, going on the road, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan Story, another catchy title. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's been a positive business for me, so I put a positive spin on absolutely, things. You know, I've, been, I've been my wife for 30 years. I've never had to go to rehab for cocaine or right, right. booze or any drugs, no booze or drugs, uh, no felony arrest, a couple of misdemeanors, but it was the 80s, you know. Yeah, you know, come on yeah. now. Yeah, I was going to say. And 80s. I raised two daughters. It's been a good business for me. So I tell Absolutely. folks, you know, we're, we're not all Scott Hall. You know, we're not like my good friend Jake the Snake Roberts who's struggling with all kinds of drugs and not all like my – Three best friends, Gino Hernandez, Terry Gordy, and Dr. Death, Steve Williams, who were yeah. all gone. I yeah, mean, Terry, I mean, he, he four, I mean, obviously, Gino was 20. I mean, they all were young, but, I mean, Gino, Terry was like 40, 41. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, and Doc. Uh, you know, the, the people try to compare us to sports teams, you know, especially back in the day, we were more like a rock and roll band. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're flying into Paris, into London, down at the... Stringfellows in downtown London partying with Michael Douglas and Grace Jones. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a lifestyle. It wasn't a job. Yeah, you got me. I, I like I said, I'm a huge mark for it. I love the old, uh, like the Four Horsemen videos, like the old Starcades. I just love going down memory lane like that because I have such a different perspective of it now as like a grown adult. And it, you know, I see it more as the business as opposed to before when you know everyone believed. I just really like the business, and you know, you guys were you guys were rock stars, man. It was it was really cool to uh, to watch it, especially as a kid. Uh, but like I said, that does segue us into your next phase, if you will. Mr. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is going on the road with a bit of a a, a comedy tour, if you will. A little uh, some some chuckles. What, what, what prompted this, and where you where can we find you? Yeah, it's it's called the uh, Two by Four uh, Tour, and it's the uh, HacksawShow.com. 
And actually, I tip my hat to uh, Mick Foley, who opened this door for a lot of us guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I've done them uh, over in England and Scotland, up in Canada. Uh, Jake, uh, the snake, and I did one over in Nashville at Zany's in Nashville. Nice. And it's not really comedy as, you know, standing stories. up and telling joke after joke. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's ring stories, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> Stories about Andre, stories about Ultimate Warrior, you know, road stories, travel with Jake the Snake, Roberts and Damien, uh, rib stories about Owen Hart and, you know, God bless him and, and many other guys. And it's also a, a chance for folks to interact and, uh, you know, ask questions and get some answers. And even if people aren't wrestling fans, like folks are always intrigued about our business. You know, I'll be on a plane next to a businessman to go, oh, uh, you're a wrestler. I'm not really a wrestling fan, but how about yeah? <laughs> Which is great, you know. Well, and it's cool nowadays, especially with the internet. Like even kind of before the podcast became hugely popular, I would listen to so many of those shoot interviews because you guys have so many stories. You know, 25 plus years, if not 30 years, of wrestling yeah. stories, of road stories with individuals. Like you said, a just who's who list of. I mean, you can name it. Just go down the list, and it would be an. You could probably spend two stories telling Andre stories, or two hours telling. She- Stories or two hours, to, you know. So it's. I think it's awesome, and I can't wait to see uh, all of that come to fruition, man. Because, like I said, you can uh, you can have a lot of people sitting on the edge of their seat with some of them stories. You know, this one, yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, early February, all through uh, upstate New York and into Massachusetts. So it, it'll be fun, and uh, I enjoyed being with the people. Uh, and, and there's so many wrestling fans out there. Just this past weekend, I was in uh, Oklahoma with uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, and. Nice. They had a huge independent show out there with, well, like 2,000 people jammed in the arena. Uh, this weekend, I'm down in Miami with Goldberg and Nash uh, for that big uh, Legends of Wrestling show. So folks are hungry for a number two. Like, TNA is just not filling the bill. There's a no. chance out there for one of these other companies to, to bump TNA. Because for every Hertz, there's an Avis, you know. Absolutely. You're not going to compete with Vince. No. But I tell you, there's room for somebody to bump TNA. Yeah. yeah like I said, they're not going to compete with Vince, but another option, you know, comp- I hate to call it yeah, competition, just, just but another, just, yeah. yeah. That's absolutely just another true. alternative for folks to watch, yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, buddy. Is there any other uh, social networking stuff you want to shout out there? Um, sure, for your show, well, for you? Yeah, God bless uh, Roddy Piper, my buddy there. He's the one that got me going. I, I would joke. I said, I'm at 100,000 people on Twitter, Pipe. You go, Doug, and I got half a million. I'm so, okay. Well, one of my first say one of my first episodes was with the uh, the gentleman who was co-hosting Piper's Pit with him, a gentleman stand-up comedian by the name of Earl Skakel. Uh, I had him on one of my first episodes, and that was really cool. I mean, obviously he was hanging with Roddy right until the end there, so that was a that was a really cool conversation. And yeah, he was one of the yeah, other ones became. that had, got the podcast going. Yeah, yeah, we became very close over the the Legend House five weeks. We uh, were roommates together, but uh, yeah, right. he's the one that got me going on social media. So the uh, the Twitter is official hacksaw at official hacksaw, and the uh, Facebook is hacksaw Jim Duggan. The book is hacksaw the Jim Duggan story. And the two by four tour is hacksaw Jim Duggan show. <laughs> and I'm hacksaw Jim. And Duggan. he's hacksaw Jim Duggan, man. I thank you so very much for taking this time. Take care of yourself, my friend.